Hello, and welcome to another episode of Profiles of Endurance. I'm Father Scott Vanderveer. Today we listen to a part two of last week's conversation with Lisa, a young woman who prefers not to share her last name because she's speaking so frankly about a period in her life where the very unexpected happened. She had a baby her senior year of high school, and she shared very honestly with us about what it was like to make that decision, what it felt like to be a mother at age 17 and have people looking at her with all of the assumptions and questions and judgments that go along with people's perceptions of unplanned moments in people's lives. She then went on to meet the love of her life, who also had children from a previous marriage, and about blending their families together as one. Today, we get to hear about a wild adventure that the two of them made. Have you ever seen the movie Dirty Dancing about summertime life in the old resort culture of the Catskills? Well, Lisa and her husband left their lucrative jobs in the food industry to come by a fixer-upper resort in the Catskills. And we get to hear about the adventures of the decade that they spent running that resort in the mountain town of Wyndham. And then how they knew it was time to walk away from that adventure and what they did next and how the path that they were on led them to faith. It's going to be a wonderful conversation. So settle in and hear this young woman share with us some of the incredible lifetime's worth of living she's crammed in to every moment of her life as she shares it all with her pastor. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you reinvented your whole career and in a way that required your family to live in such a different kind of existence? Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, you know, like I said, at, at some point, I, you know, my husband and I met at work and, um, you know, we we were happy. You know, at this point, we um, were married and we got married and we had a baby and we were, you know, successful and enjoyed that um, company and that work. But I think, you know, because of his marriage and my, you know, experience as a, a single mother with my son, it was, you know, having our daughter together felt so different than, you know, anything before, and for me, it became really clear that um, I didn't want to, to leave her. I didn't want to have to um, put her in daycare all the time to maintain my, um, my career. You know, it just, mm. I, I didn't, didn't really get a chance to enjoy um, what it was like to be a mother. And I really wanted, really wanted that. Um, and, you know, my my husband had the same sense of, you know, adventure, I guess, of like, let's, yeah. do, something, let's do something else. And it was funny because it started um, on our honeymoon. We had a like fleeting thought um, on a plane on our honeymoon of like, uh, which we did at Ben Rainier. In uh, Washington, we went uh, you know, back, ah. backpacking, and we were just like, you yeah, know, wouldn't it be awesome to, like, run a little place, like, cabins in the woods like this, like, you know, so you could live in one of these places all the time and just get to be here, and it was like a fleeting thought, 
Um, but then we went back to, you know, back home, back to work, and, you know, uh, almost a year goes by, I guess, before we decided to start to just have a thought. A thought popped in, like, wait, can, why don't we just do that? Can we do that? Like, can we just do that? Would that be possible? You know what I mean? It was just like, <laughs> and, you know, the thought quickly turned into some internet searches, and searches turned into, like, some real properties, and we knew that my husband's kids were living with his with their mother and they would see us you know every other weekend and vacations and holidays and stuff like that so we had that arrangement with them so we knew we couldn't go too far we needed to be within a distance of where we could still maintain that relationship with them uh so we looked at a map and we just kind of drew a circle and we said you know where's the greenest spot in that circle and it was the Catskills so we started to hone in in that area uh, and like I said, with internet searches, just picked up some properties and said, you know, it's like, can we do this? Like, should we do this? And we just kind of fell in love with the idea of, you know, doing something for ourselves and being able to have our family be part of that and not have to, you know, be on somebody else's timeline all of the time. So, um, so we did it. We did it amongst like a lot of um, people telling us not to, you know, we were, we were in a very good position where we were and it was thought of at the like craziness you know why are you walking away from this um but we did it anyway and we bought a little place in Wyndham oh. uh, in, in the Catskills there's an old um restaurant and um cottages that were there and uh, uh owner's residence so it was an old property the main building itself was over 100 years old the cabins were built in the 60s um house same 50s 60s um so it was older it needed some work there was nothing really going on there when we got there we bought it from a family who owned it for 50 years i've come to find out this is a common catskill story uh family <laughs> uh you know at some point the the generation gets you know third fourth generation gets tired and the business must be sold so um there was no business there when we bought it it was essentially just um you know so it was it was barely a pulse left in it so we said oh. you know why not let's uh let's give this a shot so we did we uh you we um we quit our jobs and we we moved to upstate new york and then um you know we we ran that business for most of the next 10 years wow and, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, you know, in the beginning, it was everything that we wanted it to be. We were both able to be, um, you know, with Willow all the time, and the other kids were there. At, you know, we, we maintained that every other weekend, and either my husband or myself would drive back to New Jersey every other weekend um, as much as we could to, to get them to come up, um, which was great. We felt like because they were still living in the heart of New Jersey where things are not as they are in the Catskills. So they got to see a lifestyle that they would wise known existed um and for that it was worth it and we you know we really enjoyed it for the first few years building it was exciting um you know going from having zero customers to being packed and full all the time and meeting the community people and just being engaged in small town business life was was good but oh. eventually it was like it started to um at some point so, you know, it became clear to us that you know, the building phase was kind of over. You got to the point where it was very much like, okay, this is going to be what it is. There's not too much more room to grow. It's kind of a, like it's a seasonal tourist town. So you don't have a lot of opportunities to get people to come there except for the, you know, the times that they come there. 
Um, and mm. I felt we had kind of maxed out what we were able to um, to get out of it, and it just wasn't enough. The buildings were too old. Um, you know, it was kind of like it became clear that we were either going to have to go into debt to revive this place, bring it really to the next level, um, or move on. And at that point, we were building a full-service restaurant. Um, we were, you know, well into it. We had employees. We had a lot of responsibility. It was a lot of work. And there was it's seven days a week. It's all the time. There was no, you know, so for a, a decade, you're just – it's all you all the time. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you, you know, have a family obligation or anything. If it's time to make money, it's time to make money. That's what you have to do. Cause mm. <laughs> there was no other, there was no other way. So, um, I think people, like I said, we came to realize that it was not going to be a forever thing for us. Mm. Um, we didn't want to, you know, go, go into debt to revive this, Building, we didn't want to continue this work long term, so it was clear for us to make another change. So, I mean, it was like I said, we both, both my husband and I, have an amazing relationship with Willow because she was with us every day. She, both of us, you know, from yes. entire childhood, and that makes everything worth it. Because I mean, that bond will never go away. It's it'll be there, you know, indefinitely. And the other kids got to see their parents take a risk. They got to see it work and they got to see them make a decision to, you know, make a change. Cause then we found ourselves talking to people of like, I can't believe you're going to walk away from this again. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not right. Cause a lot of people were like, you've made it, you've left the corporate world. You're living your dream. You're doing but it, it wasn't ultimately what we wanted. <laughs> Is it? Yes. You know, I'm, 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 it feels to me after working with you that you gained, I don't know what your skills were like before becoming an entrepreneur, but I feel like so much of what you bring to leadership comes from the, that phase of your life. What What do you think are, you You obviously grew a lot as a parent in your connection with with, with parenting through this. What do you think are the are the things that will go with you as a, from this from this decade of entrepreneurship? Oh, I mean, so much. It's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to even put that into words. You know, I think there's, um, you know, the, there was a level of professionalism, I think that both my husband and I had when we came to the table. So I think we, we never doubted our ability to be able to do something. I think we had enough confidence that we were capable people, but Mm. was when we got there, it was like, wow, it was just so much to know, Mm. you know? just things that you just you never think you're gonna need to worry about and you know I don't know I think it's um it's it was an experience I think one of the most impactful things is is having other people rely on you you know that was a a new level of of things where you're the one signing their check and their livelihood is coming from your decisions and that's you know a level of responsibility that even with people reporting to you you don't really have you know it's uh and you feel a new level of responsibility for that. And, you know, and there was a lot of things I think that you realize because you have to that are just totally out of your control. And all you can do is respond. You know, it's like you're, you're in a seasonal place and every business has this, you know, it's like if it just snow in a winter, I don't make any money. 
Yes. What do you do? Well, that's totally out of my control. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing that, you know, you can do but adjust. So I think adapting, adjusting, learning to think on your feet, being creative, you know, just scrapping at every little thing that you can to keep stuff going is, you know, what you get out of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, relatedly, as I'm, as I'm sitting here pondering some of the things you've shared about your life and knowing, knowing you, it feels like another big theme is risk. You, in every one of these circumstances, you took, you, you came to a fork in the road and one of the choices was so uncertain and fraught with challenge and risk and you took it. You consistently take the riskier, less paved road do you first of all do you agree with that assessment is am, am I am I reading that correctly and what do you think you gain from from choosing the riskier path in life um yeah I think I think I think it's fair to say that I don't know if you I don't know if as we're going through it you identify it as risk as much as it seems I think before you make those decisions it feels like excitement you know yeah. <laughs> It feels like adventure and you're like, yeah, you know, this is what life is about. Let's do this. You know, when you look at it, like, is it really about, you know, sitting at this desk, making all of this money for the rest of my life? You know, I don't know. It just didn't feel like that was what it, what it was about. And then, you know, I just think that, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I was thankful my husband shared that kind of, you know, spirit for better or for worse. And we, uh, it was nice to, to have somebody to, to do those things with. And like a lot of that, time spent in Wyndham was, was just that us coming up with things and taking risks and trying new stuff and, you know, dropping what doesn't work and keeping what does. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I think for us, it's kind of, um, I don't know, it, the, the, com- the comfortable path just never seems to be the right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and you know, I, I think the next, the next chapter fits that very well. Also, because here's here's where things get a little bit more current, because when you came to work for the church two years ago, you uh, you wound up leaving. You you made a transition away from the uh, the the business, and you decided that you were gonna um, find some other challenges that were gonna be a little bit more maybe you'd say stabilizing for your family, It'd put you on a little bit of a different trajectory. I don't know how many other uh, positions at that time you were seriously looking into, but you did choose to apply for a business manager position for two parishes here with us, which were definitely positions that required enough um, organizational experience and financial ability that uh, that your background made you just an exquisite candidate. But But it struck me that Early on when you started working here, you said in a conversation that we had about your, your own faith life, just a very a fairly casual but, but, but substantial conversation, you said that you had had a sense that you always knew that God had a will for your life and that you were aware that you needed to be more obedient to it. I remember that. I remember that clearly because the word obedience really stood out to me. It's not a popular word in our culture at all. Obedience. Um, it, it's a it's a word that that evokes a lot of uh, hard associations for a lot of people. What did you mean by that? 
God's, God's got a will for your life and you needed to be a little bit more obedient to it. Um, well, I guess I have to, you know, to answer that appropriately, I have to back up a little bit. So if I, I think, you know, where I ended up. So from the time that I, you know, left my childhood faith, um, all the way up until we were, you know, you know, owning our own business in, in the Catskills, um, I maintained that indifference to God and faith in general. Again, there was no hatred. There was just nothing. There was just no, like, it just felt like there was no time, no space. Who needs that? I don't know. You know, it was yeah. just, not, just not part of my everyday existence. And then, you know, about, I don't know, two-thirds of our journey, you know, through um, all, being business owners, things got really tough. We had some tough decisions, some challenges, some hard times, some, you know, like just difficult things going on. And at some point during that time, the thought of, I, I reconnected to my, my childhood in the sense that, you know, I somehow connected my lack of goodness with my lack of God, just as simply as I had when I was younger, that God is, mm. when I became backed into a corner as an adult and you know that's just the thought that came back it came back like a razor like you you know the the lack of, of good here is because of your lack of god like this needs to come back so mm. I, I, I ignored it for a little while and then wait a second i don't i'm not sure about that i was afraid of it i was like you know i didn't want anybody to think i was weak or you know i just i just had this like idea in my head that it was going to be, you know, like I was broken or weak or giving up or something. If I were to turn to God, I didn't want to be labeled like that. So I ended up starting to, um, I listened, it was funny. I listened to like these mainstream, you know, religion figures like on XM radio, I think is where I started, you know, in my car by myself when nobody was around, I knew Joel Osteen would come on. Yeah. I would get connected to um, the other guy, um, Dr. Charles Stanley, you know, in my car, mm. came local radio station at, you know, the time I had it on. And at some point in all of these messages, I would hear things louder than other things. And it would be like, get yourself in a good Bible based church, keep God first place. And I couldn't shake those things. I couldn't shake it. I'm listening all the time, listening all the time. And those are the things that are speaking in my head. And I'm not willing to do anything about it. I'm not willing to, you know, I kept making excuses. I can't go to church. I've been here for 10 years. What am I going to do? Walk through the door of these churches I've been driving past all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. right on, you know, aren't you happy to see me? I just couldn't figure out, you know, how I was going to do this. I had a daughter now who's, you know, older. She's never been to anything. Like, how am I going to do this? Um. So I was resisting. It. And then I still remember... You know, I remember like where I was when I, I prayed and I finally, I was listening to the car. I was, had just listened to one of those things and I said, fine. You know, like I, I prayed very awkwardly because it wasn't praying, you know? And I remember, mm. just, I remember just feeling like if I, if I do this with real genuine sincerity, I will be answered, you know? And I just remember praying for fine. If this is what you want me to do, then just show me how to do it. I just don't know how to do it, you know? And that was like my plea. And then you know, I went to the grocery store and nothing happened. <laughs> and no, there's no earth. <laughs> <laughs> but about a month later, I was looking for 
I wasn't really looking for a job. I wasn't seriously looking for a job. I didn't really need it, but we knew we were trying to sell the business and we were going to need some source of, of, of income. You know, eventually when that transaction happened, we needed to have a steady, steady income, um, you know, a way to have health insurance, things like that. So it was, I was loosely looking and, um, saw your ad. And I mean, there's a lot of reasons I would have never paid attention to it. Never at any other point in my life would I have considered applying for such a thing. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, oh, why not? Why don't I just, why don't I just apply for that? And even at that time, I didn't, I did not, um, I did not connect my applying for your job to that prayer that I said in the parking lot of a grocery store. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think that when I look back on it now, um, it, it may have been, you know? Wow. <laughs> wow. When you, when you started working for our church, you wound up entering the world of organized religion <laughs> for the first time in a long time. What, what was that like? And, and how did it affect what your, what your search was feeling like? Um, you know, it was fascinating. I actually remember feeling like this is like a world inside a world. (laughs) 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 It was like, who knew all this was going on around me all the time? I had no idea. You know, it was like, no, you can exist in the world without anything like that. And, And you you just, you know, when you're not con- connected to an organized religion or anything, you're just not connected. It's not like you have an understanding of what you're not connected to. You're just not connected. Mm. Um, so, you know, and certainly the, the Catholic thing is really complex. It was not this simple. Um, it didn't have the simple nature of like my childhood church, you know, which is partially because I was a child when I was there. I'm sure it was a little bit more intricate than when I absorbed. But mm. You know, certainly there were a lot, a lot of, a lot more things going on in the Catholic Church. So, I mean, I think I found it really interesting. I think it was, I was craving some kind of connection. I don't think I, I went into it wanting to be a Catholic. I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't feel like, I'm going to come here and it was like a long process of like, you know, being there and being around people and I think you know I was I was really interested to learn the the details of things things that I that I learned from you you know there are high level education things about the Catholic things but then also learned like time just from all of the volunteers and all of the people that are around parish life all of the time people that I've come now to identify as you know faith-filled people just mm. tell them how they live in life that's number one in their life and that's how they live in my the past 10 years most of the people I came into contact with were not of that type Mm. so it was refreshing it offered me insight into things that you know I kind of I kind of had felt like you know being 40 years old like I got this I got it I know what I need to know in life and all of a sudden I felt like gosh such a child I don't know anything I need to know and I felt mm. like you know, all of the people around me knew something that I needed to know. Like, it was clear to me that they knew something I needed to know. And I was really thankful that I was allowed to be around them. I, was, I felt useful because the business side of, of your job was easy for me. Oh. You know? But that part of it was um, just an added bonus. And I don't think any of them were trying to teach me that. They were just who they were. And, you know, but I, I think I... I've fully experienced, I think that's the way in which God answered the prayer is, you know, put me in that position to know, like, this is what a faith community 
for you. This is what it, it looks like. There's no, there's no, um, there's no high, there's no low. These are just real people, you know, doing life together and trying to like, you mm. know, be supportive of each other and like, you know, and that's it. That's really it. Wow. Wow. And, and, and it's messy. Cause you, when you work in, in the, in the back room of the, of the church office, you get to see all of it, all of it. So the messiness didn't dissuade you either. I think it opened me in a way that I wanted to be open, but I, I, I thought I wanted to be open, but I, you know, I was like, I, I think, you know, in the corporate environment, certainly my beginnings as a, a single mom, you know, you just get this toughness to you and you just say, you know, life is about surviving. It's about, you know, getting through. It's about being, you know, protected. And when it's just not, and I, I think in the first world, I came across like a lot of really sensitive people. Mm. And, and in my previous, you know, mind, I would have perceived that as weakness in a sense, you know, like there's no time for that. We mm. just, and then you realize, you know, sometimes there's no time for that. Sometimes but a lot of times, uh, you know, it's, it's what allows people to, you know, to grow spiritually. It's, you know, if you don't make those parts of you vulnerable, then you're just carrying them around with you. And it's, uh, you know, to see other people living that was the only thing that was going to teach me. I couldn't read it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be told to do it. I had to just see other people doing it. And because I was unwilling to walk through the doors of the you know, God put me working in and making it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so, I never, ever thought of it that way before. Walking in the doors felt like too much. So God found a way to sneak you in the back office. <laughs> that is so fascinating. Wow. What? So what is, can you describe, it's kind, it's kind of tender to, to try to put words to it, but can you describe what your relationship with God is like these days? Um, it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, I think, you know, just, um, I would say it's pretty, I mean, most needs first, first thing I think of and last thing I think of, you know, I, I've got a regular prayer routine. I've got it, you know, people in my life I stay connected to that are important to me because of my, you know, faith, which is, these are all rules I didn't have two years ago. You know? So I just think it's, um, it's developing and it's nowhere near what I know it could be if I stay connected, you know, it's, and so that it, that it's just all positive, you know? And I, I think that, um, you know, the, the connection to the Catholic faith in particular, I just, I've really found it to be special. I mm. found other people describing it to me special. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I, I love, the saints. I love reading the life of the saints. I love the idea of, you know, praying to saints. I feel, mm. I don't feel like, you know, I love your, your saying of like, it's a little too woo woo. You know, it would be, <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid to tell people that because it sounds a little too woo woo, but like, I don't know. I just, it feels natural. I feel like I, it just, it's great. It's a great addition. So I don't, I don't try not to spend a lot of time talking myself out of it. And I kind of enjoy that it's there. And, you know, and that other people are, are there with me. So I'm not the only woo-woo in the bunch. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it true? Oh, it's so, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it strikes me that there's a, there's just an openness that I love to believing and, and on some level knowing that 
the invisible world is just as real and even larger than the visible world. And we all know, we know that from living that, that the most important things in our life, like the, the connection between a mother and daughter, the, the special love between a couple, the, all those things are invisible. They're, 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 they're not tangible. And so to, to know that there is this invisible realm that is bigger and if not as real, maybe more real than, than the, the physical life we're living here feels really really beautiful and, and true to me. So, yes. yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think that I never, as an adult, I was not, I never allowed myself to be around people who openly expressed that. Mm. You know, it just adds something different into, into your life. You know? How exciting. Oh, you just, and you describe it so beautifully, so beautifully. So Lisa, when you arrived, we, you never dreamed and no one here ever dreamed that over the course of two years, you would wind up not just becoming acquainted with the, the Catholic Christian tradition, not just, you know, experimenting a little bit, visiting once in a while, seeing it from the inside and the outside. You actually made the decision to have your daughter baptized a Christian and initiated into the Catholic faith through Eucharist. And you decided to be fully initiated as a confirmed Catholic. So, so you made that decision uh, earlier, earlier in the year. All of us were so excited and, and amazed that, that this had been happening, that we were, we were all experiencing together this big, uh, transformation and it was it was really really exciting and then COVID-19 happened and your initiation which was scheduled for the Easter vigil on uh on April 11th which we were I mean that's a one time a year amazing bonanza of a liturgy where it's just the most special kind of uh conglomeration of rites and traditions and it's just beautiful happens in the darkness of of the night before Easter morning and it was delayed and it's still delayed. It's delayed indefinitely because of what's going on right now. What is, what's that been like for you? And, and, and does it feel meaningful or does it feel random to you that, that, that just as you're ready to be fully initiated into this, you are, are met with an indefinite delay? Yeah, I thought for a second, oh, God was just kidding. He doesn't want me. <laughs> 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 okay, I broke it. I think it's random. I have viewed it as random. It's, um, you know, it's, you can't predict things like this. I will tell you, it was, you know, I was fully engaged in Lent for the first time ever. I didn't know what Lent was. We really do Lent in the same way, you know. So I was like, really into Lent this season and I think I finally like probably halfway through it connected to what everybody else knew I was doing but I was you know doing it and then all of a sudden I'm like oh I get it I get this I get like why this is all happening along this time um mm. so I think it felt like a little bit of disappointment in that sense that it couldn't have been like into that timeline but you know that is what it is I feel like it's there's, you know, it's, this isn't, you learn something from it, you know, you'll, you'll gain something sometimes from enduring things, but not, there's no meaning to it. I don't think it's, uh, it will be just as, as good when I, when I get to do it as it, as it would be otherwise. 
Uh, and and what, one's, what's a wonderful development here is you had a strong, maybe you'd say motherly intuition that it was important that your daughter have her baptism before uh, this this drew on any too much longer because at, at her age this feels like a really important thing and and uh, and so we were able to accomplish that a couple of weekends ago in a very small ceremony with just some very close friends and family watching on on iPhones and it was just really really tender and and so I'm I'm so grateful that I got to be the minister that that officiated that and that we got to share that with Willow it was I that's a that's a picture maybe with your permission I'll uh, I'll put on the YouTube version of, of our conversation so folks can see um, her face in your face uh, if if that is a is a good thing um, I am curious about the stage of life you're in right now, which uh, most of our listeners would have no way to know it, but you're actually speaking to me from a house that is completely packed up right in the middle of the limbo that occurs during a period of closing where a house that is being sold in South Carolina and that is being purchased by you there and your house being sold and just this domino effect of, of different people's life changes right now is going on and you're actually speaking to me just like right at the edge of the cliff dive you're about to take into yet another stage of life. Your husband has accepted a career opportunity in North Carolina and you and he and your daughter are totally re re reevaluating things and 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 moving to a to a whole new stage of life. Now that faith is a part of your life in this stage of your adulthood, how are you experiencing this this transition with faith now? What's what's your faith experience of this like? Hmm. Well, I'd like to say that I was full of grace and patience through all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would be a lie. So um, I think... You know what I am excited about. I'm excited. It's another. It's another chapter. I think it's. Um, you know, it's different, and it feels um, just like anything else. Any other time we've made decisions like this, there's a level of excitement, a level of uncertainty. Um, but it feels like the right thing for us right now, and I think that. Um, just the fact that I, I know what the word grace means and I've seen people use it has maybe afforded me some of it through. <laughs> throughout. Aww, yeah. Um, but I think what I most, what mostly it's done for me is that I'm, I'm going to a new place, but I, I know what's going to be there waiting for me. You know, I, I knew, um, you know, that there would be a Catholic parish there and that I would find the same community there. So, you know, the community that I had resisted for so long then became um, an immediate route in a place I've never been, you know? <sighs> so it was like a nice a nice thing to think of. I was excited to go there and be full-fledged Catholic and show up for the first time like that, but I will <laughs> I will show up in limbo, but I know that they'll, uh, they'll still accept me. So yeah. I don't have that, that fear anymore walking through the door and I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to find and I'm excited about it. So I think for that, um, for that, it's, you know, it's given me a lot. 
Oh, that's such a such a beautiful way that you express it. And I, I'm just struck that, right, for all of us, that's one of the, of the great joys of being a, a Catholic is you could go to the Himalayas or Madagascar or uh, Taiwan and you would find your family there too. There's, there's nowhere on this planet you could go that there wouldn't be family waiting for you. Right. Pretty amazing. Let, question for you about uh, how you share this with others because I, I'm very aware that there are people that have been forwarded a link to this conversation for a very specific reason that have no connection to you, no connection to me, no connection to where we're speaking. They, a friend of a friend of a friend said, oh my gosh, your daughter's going through an unplanned pregnancy. Or, oh my gosh, you guys just decided to leave your, your comfortable, predictable jobs and become entrepreneurs. Or, oh my gosh, you, you're becoming Catholic. Um, I, you, you listen to this interview. There's so many different things you've shared with us that I think people may be receiving uh, this this conversation because of one or another of them, but all of them are connected to this uh, this posture you've taken in your life that involves uh, not turning away from from challenge or from risks. For the people who have been forwarded this this conversation because your life story is one that pertains to what they're going through. What what words of encouragement could you give for somebody who's in the in the limbo phase of things? Who's who uh, maybe you know like that like that young teenage girl her senior year who did not know how the story was going to turn out, like the the entrepreneur who says let's let's give this a try and then and then has some kind of a feeling saying, no I, we're done now even though everyone's telling you no no you can't walk away from this. Um, what words of encouragement do you give to people whose lives are in shift? Um, you know, I think I have courage, have courage to, to, you know, listen to that voice inside of you that's urging you in whatever direction that is. You know, I think, um, you know, it's a, for me, like I said, that, that obedience comment comes right into the idea of having courage. You know, I felt like, you know, I, some, maybe some people don't have this, but I mean, I always felt like I could hear the right way, right? I could always, mm. I could always, you know, at some level, I, I knew what I should be doing and it was just a matter of whether or not I was going to, you know, have the courage to do it or, you know, and courage comes in a lot of, maybe that was the courage to make a physical move. Maybe it was the courage to be vulnerable. Maybe it was the courage to, you know, it comes in a lot of different, different ways, but I think, you know, when I look back on, on all of those moments when I didn't listen to that voice and I chose my will and did it the way I thought I could, it, it never worked out. It never worked out the way that I wanted to. So, mm. it just, um, I don't know. You know, it's, I think that you, people are a lot stronger than they think they are. They can get through a lot more things than, than they think they can. So, it's just really getting yourself getting yourself there and doing what you know in your heart is right. Uh, you know, it's, it's so good to hear you say that because it reminds me of Maya Angelou, one of my heroes, was famous for saying that of all the virtues humans can have, courage is the most important. And a lot of people weren't sure why she said that. She would always explain that courage 
is the virtue you need to practice the other virtues consistently. Because if you don't have courage, she said, when things get hard, you'll back away from your ideals because it'll be, the risks might be too high. And you won't listen to the voice that guides you because it's too, it's too shaky, it's too uncertain. She said, only with courage can you do whatever is before you. And oh, I hear that. I hear that being echoed through what you're saying. So I, you're giving all of us a really good gift. Uh, there's a couple questions I'd like to just ask you because I've asked everybody who's been part of this series and given them a chance to, to share. And the responses have been fascinating. And all of them have given us something. Many people are asking themselves during the time of coronavirus, is this happening for a reason? And, and some people believe that everything happens for a reason and other people believe the opposite. What do you say about that question? Um, I don't, I do, I don't, I don't think everything happens for a reason. Um, horrible things happen. Horrible things happen. Mm. So I just, I have a hard time believing that everything happens for a reason, but I do think that, you know, there's like, you know, you and I have talked before, you can find meaning in mm. and I think I've come to understand, um, you know, and through, through faith that, you know, God's will is good. So if is not of that, I find it to just not be of God. And that's just kind of, you know, you can, you can always connect to, to the, what's good. Even in a bad situation, so, mm. um, I don't think that everything happens for a reason. But I do think that you can gather reason out of everything. If that makes sense. Oh yes, I do. Yes, I do understand that. That's really gathering reason. I love it. Almost like um, like vegetables from a garden. There's yeah. there's a lot there, but there's there's something to harvest. Oh, I like that. Uh, when you've had to endure hard things, what do you think has been the key for you in 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 enduring? Is there a common key you've turned to, a common um, attitude or or practice or virtue that has helped you endure the hard things? Um. Yeah, I think you know. I think endurance for me, if when I think about endurance, I think of it as um, it means strength. You know, when you endure anything, it creates strength. If you mm. physically endure something, you create physical strength. Mm. If you, you know, spiritually endure something, it creates spiritual strength. I think that, you know, even when it's hard, you know it's building strength. You know, I, I, I happen to do a, a lot of yoga, so that connects me to that in a, in a very real physical way. You know, it's mm. hard. It's hard. There are things that are hard, but I know that I'm building strength because of that that toughness, you know, that, that endurance. Enduring that, you know, temporary pain is going to make me stronger in, in a lot of ways. So I just try and keep that in mind when things are, are difficult. Mm. Yeah. I, and you know, that's so true when, when trainers are working with us in trying to build any muscle, it always involves tearing and, and being, being pushed right to the edge of, 
of the ability to withstand it in order to then come back together with more strength. And so, yeah, I hear that. That that strikes me as deeply true. The last question I have for you is a question about what all of us are going through. Coronavirus, as, we, as we're speaking right now, you're moving to a state that is slightly more open than we are, uh, a little bit ahead in the, uh, in the recovery phase, but we know that until there's a vaccine, and maybe even after that, we're not gonna be back to any kind of life that we can uh, connect to what we've known in the past. What are your best hopes for what our life can be like after we get through this time? Oh, best hopes. Um, you know, I guess most of all, I hope that people don't become fearful of people. Mm. I think that that could be a really dangerous place. So regardless of what the, the new scenarios are going to look like, I just, I'm hopeful that they don't make people fearful of other people. You know, I just, I feel like there's a, I don't want to live in a world where I'm afraid to shake someone's hand or mm. where someone, someone is afraid to give me a hug or mm. I, I would feel a lot of loss if we changed for, in that direction. I think there are ways to change and be safe, but I just need to see that, um, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll find a path to, you know, a new, a new normal that doesn't, um, you know, take the, the human out of, of human, you know, mm. it's so much of, of our interaction and our compassion towards each other requires some type of physical connection. And, you know, I just, um, I hope that that doesn't, doesn't change. Yeah. So true. So true. I would love to just invite the uh, the listeners to have a moment of savoring because, you know, neuroscientists tell us that we we often cling to things that are difficult and we sometimes have a bit of a Teflon response to things that really can nourish and help us unless we hold them. So let's just take a second to hold this conversation and see if we can draw what is the some of the very best nourishment for us. What was it that Lisa shared today that you wish to take with you into your life? What did she say about being a teen mom and the way she encountered others in that experience that makes you want to perhaps think about how to, how to support young people in a different way? How can we recognize the dignity of each person in the life circumstance they find themselves in. What about her entrepreneur stage stands out to you? How did the risk taking that she and her husband were able to undertake speak to you in what you might need to hear right now? She said that blending relationships together can't happen until they've addressed the brokenness that's present. What brokenness is going on in your relationships that you need to address? How could you bring some patience, some willingness to take it slowly into whatever you're trying to blend in your life right now? Lisa looked for obedience in her life. She had a sense she knew what was right and that God was good. 
and that if she wanted more goodness in her life, she needed more God in her life. What does that say to you about where you are right now? Lisa, I can't thank you enough for this conversation. I It gives me a chance to also say, as you get ready to move into a new phase, how enriched I have been by your friendship, by being your colleague, by being a chance to, to witness what an outstanding professional you are, but also what a truly upstanding, integrity-filled Christian and woman of faith you are. It has been just such a delightful chapter of my life to walk for these two years with you. And I uh, pledge to you that I will pray for you and your husband and your daughter and your son and your your shared children. Um, I will I will be praying for you for the rest of my life. So thank you so much for for allowing us to have this crown uh, conversation of the experience of getting to work together. Thank you. I feel all the same. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much to our listeners. May God bless you all.